welcome back to another episode of the Those Movie Dudes podcast. This week we'll be discussing if we have what it takes to kill a baby seal if it meant survival and Nanook of the North. Then we will dive into the mind of a famous movie star in being John Malkovich. Finally, we talk about the weird hybrid of Hollywood meets Bollywood in Moulin Rouge. If these movies sound interesting, stay tuned for Mulan Malkovich of the North. Hey, my name is John Roca. <laughs> Put down the book. Pick up the remote. Okay, Josh Vakuga. Mr. Movie Release Dates himself. Alexander Desplat came on at one point. (laughs) Alexander Desplat came on. Uh, Oh, Marcus Riley. Marcus Riley, yes. Unfortunately, this isn't the podcast talking and critiquing Collider's old shows that have all been canceled. Um, This is now... The Those Movie News podcast, where every week we watch three films that we've never seen before, and then we get together on Zoom, and then we talk about them in a podcast. And those podcasts are out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. That is where you can find us. You shut your fucking mouth over there, John. Nobody's on Stitcher, Spencer. Yeah. Hey, we have three listeners, or three downloads from Stitcher, so three people at least on Stitcher. You probably probably bought an Android. (laughs) Just to fucking go on Stitcher and download it so you could prove the point that somebody's listening. No one's listening. This week, the movie that won the poll from me is a film that I've wanted to see for a while now. It, it, I feel like I said that on every episode, but there's a lot of movies that I've been wanting to see for a while, and we're now just watching them, so fuck off. Uh, but the movie that I really wanted to watch is Being Whoa, John Nokovich, uh, a little oh, Spike okay. Jones film. Uh, so yeah, that is the one that we watched for me this week. Dang. No, uh, it's yeah. not. So for me, I went with the uh, kind of 2001 critically acclaimed musical Moulin Rouge by our good old friend Baz Luhrmann with Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor once again. Only a few weeks removed from the podcast with Big Fish. Welcome back, Ewan. <laughs> wow, I can't beat that. Um, well, my, my, <laughs> well, my movie was a silent documentary of sorts from 1922 called Nanook of the North. It was about Eskimos Norma and seals and snow. Not Norma of the North. This was not an animated film. Yeah. <laughs> it was a different time, but we'll get into it. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh... <laughs> It doesn't matter to me uh, what where we start this week. Uh, I'm I'm opposed. I'm not opposed to any of the picks. If you guys you know have any suggestions, uh, comments, concerns, any movie titles that you guys are leaning towards this week. Okay, well I wow. guess that means we're going to talk about good old Nanook, the good old bear who hunts things with his bare hands. Robert Flattery's classic film tells the story of Inuit hunter Nanook and his family as they struggle to survive in the harsh conditions of Canada's Hudson Bay region. Enormously popular and released in 1922, Nanook of the North is a cinematic milestone that continues to enchant audiences. So I, I've been, I've heard of this movie thanks to the Criterion Collection. Uh, it was Nanook of the North, uh, nineteen twenty-two. Some see it as one of the first documentary-style films with a narrative that kind of follows along as they go. Um, directed by Robert J. Flattery. Uh, this movie's black and white, and it just depicts his family of Nanook, which means the bear, um, and his family and how they're able to live and survive and travel across the northern parts of Canada where it's just below freezing all the time and they survive by making their own igloos and sleeping with their children with no clothes on under blankets that they made by themselves. Jonathan, 1922. Can I say that this is the oldest film that you've seen? I think yes, but I think I've seen snippets of older films from like in like uh design of cinema class and stuff, but like for, Did for you ever me, watch Ma- uh, Bluebird? Trip to the Moon? We, yeah, I watched Bluebird, I think. We yeah, watched that's that. like 1918, I believe. Well, either way, this is like top five oldest movies. This is like oh. one of the five oldest movies that I've seen. So, yeah, Nanook of the fucking North, bro. So, this movie, there's no talking. 
Uh, it's a lot of little piano music to to get you through the scenes and uh, title cards. So a lot of reading. It was interesting. Oh, I can already tell this is going to be bad by the reading. It, it was interesting. I did have to pause it a few times because I'm a person who I can't read things once and understand what it so says. So at the beginning. Yeah, like the beginning. I was like, oh, I did that too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah, there's a lot of title times. cards that kind of set up the movie and it's like, this is what's happening. And there's like 15 title cards with like three paragraph essays that are like, <laughs> by the way, this is what the hell's going on. And I had to read those over <laughs> like a couple times, not a couple times over, but a little bit more than I wanted to. And it, it basically, it's just, you know, Eskimos living their life, right? Slaughtering seals, clubbing them to death with, oh, clubbing their dogs to death with hammers and stuff to make sure they don't kill each other and just trying to survive, you know, the cold, desolate Arctic. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to add on to that, I want to echo the fact that you had uh, you had to reread the uh, the title cards because that's, like, one thing about me that I've noticed is I get anxiety whenever, like, a full screen of text shows up yeah, and I have to read it. Read it. I think without fail, I always just pause it and read it no matter what because – I feel like every time that happens, I get to like maybe the last three sentences, and then it fades to the next title card. I'm like, no shit. Then I have to like rewind and go back like five or 10 seconds and reread it and pause it. So without fail, I always have to pause it. So this movie that was only an hour and 18 minutes turned out to be a 90 minute movie for me because I had to pause and read the <laughs> title cards every yeah. time because it literally does give me anxiety of like, I'm not going to finish this and like before it fades to the next one because I'm constantly anticipating it fade into the next title is card it, i'm like shit i gotta read it i want to know the information do you but, guys also feel like if you can't finish it in like the allotted amount of time like i feel a little bit illiterate if yes it's made for people to be I able do. to finish it in a reasonable amount of time like they give you extra time as far as i know i'm pretty sure it's like i, I mean i don't know but i feel like they give you enough time to read it pretty slowly and sometimes well, it's still not enough time for me i had a whole process while doing this like i had to watch it and test myself to see if i could get through it if i didn't which most of the time i couldn't i would rewind it pause it read it do that with all of them and then start at the beginning again and then see if i can do it before it goes away and i was able to do it so you made a little right. game because i knew then. Before the movie yeah, even and so I was able, began, and that's movie. also my OCD kicking in. So I'm like, I have to watch the whole movie from beginning to end. So once I watched every, uh, read everything, I was like, all right, Whew. it was like getting ready for a race, <laughs> and I made it, and I that was sweating, and then I got chilled by the nice, the nice cold Canadian snow. Right. Well, I don't and think that it's is... Canada. It's in the Arctic. That is one thing. That... It was in the northern parts of Canada. Right. Yeah. It's they even showed a map. No, because what we saw was basically a recreation of what he, they tried to shoot or what the, was kind of like the documentary aspect of the movie. Because this is, as Nate mentioned in the last podcast, this was kind of like paved the way for documentary filmmaking. Because you are just following this Eskimo family trying to survive the brutal conditions that they live in. And all of that part parts of the movie, like that aspect watching that happen was so fascinating and the fact that this was uh, footage that existed and shot like over 100 years ago i think the whole time i was watching i'm just like this is a slice of life that i never ever expected to see and i think that's what i you really have to kind of like watch under those standards because it's just so fascinating uh it, it's just so cool seeing that this movie filmed 100 years ago and watching this guy trying to survive in the arctic with their family and just doing things that we never would have imagined to do uh it was just so fascinating and that's something that i really appreciated about watching the nook of the north and it's it's really cool because there's so many tribes around the world that are still like this that are just live like hunter-gatherer lifestyle i don't even think these guys had fire they didn't look. They never showed them make fire, so I don't think that they have fire. They were no, eating. They probably could if they needed to. They were but eating raw meat probably... and stuff. Like literally, yeah. they got the seal it... and then just ate it. <laughs> and I thought that yeah, was so plus, strange. But I don't know how long everything they that they made was like made of like waterproof stuff. So like a lot of times it was naturally, I guess, a little bit warmer. But they probably got used to it when they had those furs and everything. That's pretty. 
that's pretty rugged stuff. Yeah. And it was just all thick. So I can only imagine trudging through the, the Arctic with all that stuff, including kids, dogs, yeah. puppies. Yeah, they literally have their entire like, life on their back, including, like, their family. So, And that's the other thing is, like, being exposed to that weather, like, constantly 24-7, I'm sure they've built up, like, an immunity towards it. Like, I'm sure, like, the cold to them probably isn't the same as if we were there. And being like, holy shit, mm-hmm. this is brutal. Whereas our like Arctic jacket made of like goose feathers, uh, for them it's like <laughs> they literally have to kill their animals, skin them, and then use that as jackets. As like the the woman did in the movie, she like she woke up uh, completely naked with her entire family, and then it's just like this igloo mm-hmm. that it looks freezing cold, and she puts on this stiff, frozen like little like animal skin as a jacket, and walks out of the igloo. I'm like, I just couldn't imagine just like that. She must have been so freezing cold and she has to put on a frozen little animal skin to try to keep warm. But I'm sure they have some sort of immunity or just like their their cold isn't the same as ours because they just had to survive this, this, these brutal conditions. And I like that this film a hundred years ago literally depicts that. And it shows you what life could be like if you uh, lived in those times with like the technology and the materials available to you. It's it's I, something I would survive less than 24 hours. I'd be dead. It remind me a little bit oh, of the man. movie Eight Below because you know how they just <laughs> leave the dogs out in the snow? Like, they don't get to go in the igloo. Yeah, so... they, there's a shot of them, like, all frozen, too. It, it was so no, no, sad. Well, was no, they're fine. I, they're more, it looks almost... I think these were, like, more so timber wolves because well, yeah, these dogs 100%. were not, like, your normal, everyday, domesticated house dog. This thing wanted and to they just howl. You. <laughs> no, I mean, and they yeah. were pretty scary when they got to opening up the seal. Yeah, like that the, dog was intense. Years. I was oh like, God. oh God, they were savages. Yeah, it's like starving yeah. a lion or something, and then just like giving it scraps after you feed your family. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's it, a seven it, minute but, sequence of him just like beating the dogs with sticks, trying to get them to stop fighting over like the scraps of the of the uh, animal. Because they literally are just savage animals. They're wild animals trying to be tamed and domesticated, but. Uh, they obviously didn't have the 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 I don't know the resources that we have to make them pets. <laughs> they don't have chewy. Yeah. They can't order like monthly shipments of dog food and stuff like I do. Um, but yeah, I, I for me it was it was very interesting to see the slice of life. You know, nineteen twenty two being able to tell a story like this, especially it's hard to film in the cold now. Like I I know that uh, when they filled the rev the revenant, that was not an easy process. And going to film this in 1922, I can imagine, was fucking miserable. So you have to give them props for that. And they they showed a, a pretty cool slice of life that I had never seen before, to say the least. And I apologize for being such a dick at the end of the podcast last week, Nathan Cram. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Mother. Nah, I'm just kidding. I, I just, I think stuff like this is super interesting. And just knowing that this guy was a real dude. Um, he really did all this stuff and it's just tragic how he, he passed. He just went out one day on a hunt and doing what Eskimos never comes do, back. Man. Yeah. Sometimes and it's just, the it's the sad and brutal truth, but it's the honest truth. And I'm glad that they were able to portray it this way. And a lot of people give it some grief because some of these moments were staged to kind of reenact what actually happened but i think a lot of it too was legitimate like of course they had to do all the stuff with the igloo and the traveling and all that they had to do it um so obviously there needed to be some staging involved because it's gonna be 1922 and if he did this stuff before this movie you gotta think that was like what two or three years before it yeah. Where this was all done so easily a hundred years. And my, crit- and just- my critique to those people that – because I did read about that. The people were like, it's staged. It's not like authentic documentary. But the fact is it's like they're not on a soundstage. They're not recreating this. They're in this environment trying to shoot something. Mm-hmm. Some things might be staged. But, yeah, I mean they were there. Like that's, For me, it didn't, different. I didn't know it was staged, and I didn't. I couldn't tell. So I guess that says a testament to. They say it in the beginning either. that they tried to recreate what they what they lost in footage, but so they crafted scenes? it. Like the I ones where they get caught in the in the snowstorm, maybe that was staged because I'm I'm assuming they didn't just randomly get caught in a snowstorm with a film crew. This movie, to me, I view it in different like standards in terms of other movies, just because it's 
it's like a slice of life. It's history. It's kind of like uh, the Peter Jackson documentary that we watched, uh, They Shall Not Grow Old. Yep. And just the fact that like you're watching a slice of history, something that's kind of interesting, something that you never would have thought that you would be able to see with the footage and technology that was available at the time. So for that aspect, I think this is really cool and something it's like a, it's footage from 100 years ago. And if that sounds interesting to you, I think you should 100 percent check this out because it's on HBO Max. It's available for you to watch like I, on Letterboxd. I didn't give it a grade. I just gave it a heart because I think it's so fascinating. I think it's something that you should absolutely go and see. And I feel weird like judging it and grading it on and a one through five scale. I can if you want me to. But I say like if that sounds interesting to you, just watching footage from 100 years ago of this Eskimo trying to live. 100% go and watch it. It's fascinating. So uh, I recommend it. I think it was really cool. I think for me, it's definitely a high recommend too. I, I'm a huge fan of like history. And um, a lot of the time I, I just get lost on YouTube watching random videos about historical events or space stuff or, you know, just, just random shit of that nature. But this is definitely one of those things that I never thought that I would kind of fall in the rabbit hole and, and learn about. Uh, but thanks to Nate, I got to do it. Uh, but yeah, Eskimos living in this time, clearly some really harsh environments and people still somewhat live like this too, which is crazy to think about. Uh, but the film itself was, for what it was, it definitely told a story. Like you guys said, a slice of life of them building igloos and hunting fish and pulling seals out of the fucking ice was just crazy. And how smart these people had to be to survive in that environment was really cool, so... Uh, for me, it was definitely interesting. I also didn't grade it. Like, I don't know how to give a movie like this a grade. In terms of entertainment, I, I don't think I was bored. An hour and 20 minutes, it, it doesn't fly by. It's definitely kind of a slow process to get through the movie, but it's definitely interesting and informative. So, uh, yeah, I would I would give a recommend to this if you're a, a history buff of some kind. Okay. Mm. Well, I will grade it then. Yes. I, on a scale of zero to five, gave it a four and a half out of five. I am impressed with this these movies, and I respect what they were able to accomplish with what they had and what little skill the director had, because he had never done anything like this before ever, and didn't know anything about motion pictures. Um, and apparently, if this director and Nanook, they were talking back and forth about how they wish they could have done so many other films, but like actual stories of what they went through um, and some of the stuff that they wanted to do that way. But it's just impressive and I respect it. And it was just cool. I love history. Anything that has to do with the Arctic and just surviving in harsh conditions is just nothing but admiration, really. I couldn't do it. And these people did it every single day like i couldn't imagine it so yeah my scale four and a half out of five it was fantastic shit Beautiful. okay fantastic. awesome yeah uh so i think you need to go see nanook of the north on hbo max if you have a subscription because it is cool it's interesting it's a movie that was filmed a hundred years ago so go and watch it um yes do it so we can move into uh, another film uh we could either go a little moulin rouge or we can go a little being john malkovich uh nate I'm which one be, are you I'm, leaning I'm towards you guys decide here yeah i don't know i'm thinking a little uh well, Ian McGregor, little <laughs> Nicole Kidman. Moulin Rouge came out in 2001. It follows a young poet, played by Ewan McGregor, who is plunged into the heady worlds of a Parisian nightclub called the Moulin Rouge. He then begins a passionate but forbidden love affair with the club's most notorious and beautiful star named Satine, played by the Oscar-nominated Nicole Kidman. This movie is the directorial debut of Baz Luhrmann, and it was nominated for eight Oscars and won two. Moulin Rouge from 2001, directed by Baz Luhrmann, who, you know, kind of redid a similar style with The Great Gatsby, right? Kind of using uh, some modern music in an old-timey movie. Uh, so right off the bat, I was getting Great Gatsby vibes with this film. Uh, we got Nicole Kidman, Ewan McGregor, John Leguizamo playing a midget. <laughs> what else do you a want drunk from midget. a movie? Yeah, I, I just... I, I don't want to get too far into it right now. But this movie was a fucking wild ride. I 
fucking loved it. So go ahead, Nate, and give your uh, your thoughts. Wow. Me? Okay. Moi? <laughs> Moi? Me? Talk about Nicole Kidman by myself? Ooh, I mean, we're still here get, listening. You don't. This is gonna get dangerous. Um, <laughs> goodness gracious! Ooh, it's hot in here now. Okay. Um, you want to take your clothes off? Yeah. Wait, what movie were we talking about again? Uh, it was uh, <laughs> Moulin Rouge. I'm just kidding. Okay. I'm just kidding. Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. What a little nightclub. It was pretty fun. I thought the best part about this movie was the music. Normally, current music in an old-timey movie would bug the crap out of me, but I thought they did it really well. And the way they were able to mix the drama and the comedy, it was kind of... It kind of reminded me of a like a Monty Python type movie as far as some of the gags go and just how it was acted. I feel like there were no shots in this movie that lasted longer than like half a second. <laughs> Not even that. Yeah. Just cut, 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 cut. And we're going to show a little bit then cut, cut, cut. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I started getting a migraine and I was only like, oh, it must be, almost be over. And we weren't even through the opening credits. Yeah. So I was like, oh, <laughs> man. After the first 15 minutes, oh, I was so like, true. all right, I need to go get something to get through this movie. Not that it was like a bad thing. I need thing, something I stronger. To, <laughs> I felt like I needed a Ritalin. I don't know what you're talking about. A little bit. And that's Dude, what I did. <laughs> this movie was fucking nuts like that's all i know how to say about this movie because okay first of all it was nominated for eight oscars including best picture nicole kidman best actress uh best editing best cinematography sound costume i mean you know it had so many nominations uh and it won i think three of them more of the technical ones um but like the whole time i was watching it i couldn't imagine like a mainstream audience watching it because Baz Luhrmann, I read a little bit about it, the director and the writer uh, who went on to do the remake of Great Gatsby and kind of brought the similar style and energy to that movie uh, and like modern music as well. But for Moulin Rouge, Baz Luhrmann, he went and saw a uh, a Bollywood film uh, in, the, I don't know, one random night. It was in, obviously, it was not in um, English. And yet that explains they us. still understood everything that happened it was like musical there was romance there was action there was everything and he's like what if we could do this in the west what if we could make this like a domestic movie uh, like a mainstream uh hollywood film but basically make a bollywood film and that's what this movie was it was a bollywood american movie <laughs> because there was literally a cut every second there was so, just fast-paced, in-your-face editing and acting and costumes and sets and camera work. It was just fucking nuts. Is that what Bollywood That's what is? I've was. never seen a Bollywood movie, so I don't know. It's like what, over the top. Yeah, means. basically. It, like, okay. it, it's like it knows that. it's in a movie. Like It, it, just, it, makes it, it, it takes it full advantage of the fact that, like, okay, you're going to go pay to go see a movie. We're going to keep you there for three to three and a half hours. Like, we're going to have all this action and romance and it's music. It's an experience. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's like a concert. That's what they make their movies out to be. With this movie, the first, I would say, like, 30, 35 minutes are, like, one of the like most wild rides I've ever gone on in a film in terms of editing, the pacing, and just, like, getting to know the characters. And just, there was so much fucking happening being thrown at your face in, the, in that amount of time that it's not something I've ever experienced before. But then it does slow down a little bit. There's still scenes mm -hmm. where they they break out into song and it's fucking insane again, but they're still able to tell, I thought, a really well-crafted story at the same time um, between Nicole Kidman, Ewan McGregor, and then, I, you know, it does kind of have those cookie-cutter characters a little bit, like the Duke is so silly and over-the-top, but it's it's just, you know, it's one of those things that goes along with a movie like this. You kind of have to have that weird antagonist character and the same thing with the stage director as well he's just this weird over-the-top guy but they fit so well yeah. in a movie like this there's there's at some point in all of the musical numbers you're just like this is really cool like the scene where they're making up all on the spot what their play is going to be for the duke and it's like it's it'll be iconic you'll remember it in 50 years and they're doing that whole dance and it goes over and over again mm -hmm. that was so much fun going. and they're like yeah. making mm -hmm. up the plot like on the spot just like trying to figure out what it's going to be to impress it and that it was so fast paced and it was just in your face 
It's just something that you really don't. Are you rhyming on purpose? <laughs> Not really, but I, I feel like this it's movie so fast makes you pace do it. and it's in your face. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. I've had <laughs> I've had a, a glass of whiskey already, so it, it could it could just come out naturally. But this movie was just fucking nuts. It was nuts. It was yeah. nucking futs. <laughs> it was it was pretty nucking futs, dude. But you have to it was. you have to appreciate the characters as well. Like I think the best character, Nicole Kidman, fucking incredible. She was nominated, lost to Holly Berry for Monsters Ball. What do you feel about the characters rather than just the pacing and how insane and and nuck nucking? Yeah, was? sure. It was cookie cutter cliche shit you've Thank seen you. a thousand times before, but they've but. Done, they're doing it in a style of Bollywood. They're doing it in a style of films that you don't usually see from mainstream Western films. And uh, for that, I think it was really fun. It had an energy that I wasn't expecting. I did think that Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman gave really good performances. And I, if I think that was their actual singing, if it was fantastic on them because yeah. they could have a whole career as a musician because they were great, uh, especially with the, uh, like uh, the inclusion of the modern songs, like the Elton John, the queen, the Madonna, it was weird. Like I get why people criticize Baz Luhrmann for bringing that style to Greg Gatsby. Cause I mean, he had Kanye West in that movie and Jay Z, but yet he kind of did the same thing with Moulin Rouge. In the first 30 minutes, I honestly, it took me a minute to really get into it because I almost turned it off 30 minutes in. I'm like, this movie is just not for me. I don't like the style. It's too aggressive. It's in your face. And then it does find its sweet spot. And I got into it. And the whole final scene of them like singing and doing the whole play live in front of the audience and the guy gets the gun, the Duke gets the gun. And that whole scene happens. I was actually really into the movie. And I liked it. I thought it was actually a lot of fun. So I ended up going kind of fresh. Uh, not too fresh, but fresh. I went three out of five stars. This is actually a fun movie that I think that if you haven't seen it before, I think you're in for something that's different and something that's kind of cool. So three out of five. But still, it didn't it didn't grasp me the way I was hoping. Okay. Right. Okay. Three out of five. I'll take that three. I'll bump it up one. I'll, I'll give it four out of five. I thought this movie was fun. Fuck. And the music kept me engaged because it, it started songs for uh, scenes and sequences that it fit perfectly for. So I thought it was well paced, at least from my end. Um, the costumes and everything. It was a gorgeous movie to watch. Um, I did feel like I was having a migraine anxiety attack when the cutting was going on and whatnot. But I did think it helped towards the final act because it added that bit of tension. Just because so much was going on, you couldn't... You could follow, but it almost felt like so much was going out of control. Uh, but I loved their chemistry. I thought it was awesome. I was like, it's like these two have worked on this on Broadway for years or something. Not super wow greatest musical in the world, but I was very entertained, and I definitely think it would be worth a rewatch. Okay. Thank you very much, you guys. Um, For me, this movie was fucking flawless. Oh, God. I... <laughs> I forgot. This is just like The Greatest Showman. Exactly. Exactly The Greatest Showman, which, by the way, just came out on uh, HBO Max, I think, maybe. It Disney just came out on one of the streaming services. Disney Plus. Thank you, Spencer. Cookie cut cutter characters aside, just weird out there. This movie was shot so beautifully, colorful, vibrant, intoxicating to watch for me. It was so intense, so entertaining. I love the chemistry between the characters. I was just fucking kind of pretty much floored by this movie i was so into it that i don't know man i i see this as just probably i haven't seen a million musicals i haven't seen rent i haven't seen west side story but this thing was just oh. a wild ride that i was fucking in for from the start and i'm glad spencer i'm glad you prepared me for it a little bit because i feel like i may have had a similar reaction uh after the first 30 minutes i would have been like what the fuck's happening but since you kind of were like, you're going to need some whiskey, I was like, okay. And then I had some, and then I fucking loved every minute of it. So I give this movie five out of five. Holy oh, shit. Oh. What? Wait, do you guys hear that? Do you guys hear that? Mainstream boy. Is that the first time you've given a five out of five? I gave Little Monster a five out of five. Uh, okay, but man, that's a long time is, ago. That's not even on our feed of podcasts, but it's shit. one of the first episodes, and it is on there. Uh, yeah, but this it's movie, not. dude, it is a little bit mainstream because I remember seeing 
this movie like it would come out every couple months for like a ladies night out at like a cinemagic and it would play there and it would be like a ladies night out thing so i think it was it's kind of like a cult mainstream movie a little bit so i don't know maybe that's why it's so appealing to me but it was definitely giving me greatest showman great gatsby vibes and i was into it so and nicole well, I guess that's, so that's me that's your taste of movies five out of five four out of five from nate and a three out of five from me so you know you could be anywhere in between us <laughs> uh for moulin rouge uh hbo max you guys can check that one out if that sounds interesting to you uh we all kind of had different opinions but i think we all agree that it's unique it's interesting and if you haven't seen it you know maybe check it out Let's talk about Being John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich came out in 1999. It follows a puppeteer who discovers a portal that leads literally into the head of movie star John Malkovich. The film stars John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, Catherine Keener, and the man himself, John Malkovich. It is the directorial debut of Spike Jones and written by Charlie Kaufman. The film was nominated for three Oscars, including Best Supporting Actress in Catherine Keener, Best Director in Spike Jones, and Best Screenplay from Charlie Kaufman. Little fucking Malkovich. weird ass movie. Um, Malkovich. So, being John Malkovich, uh, Malkovich. Malkovich. It's. Malkovich. Malkovich. It's a. Malkovich. Malkovich. What is it? Uh, it's Malkovich. Malkovich. Oh, okay. Um, Malkovich? Well, being John Malkovich came out in 1999. It's about a puppeteer (laughs) that discovers a portal that leads literally into the head of movie star John Malkovich. Okay, Uh, it stars John Cusack, John Cena, Catherine Keener, (laughs) and John Malkovich. John Malkovich. (laughs) John Malkovich. Um, But this is the feature debut of director Spike Jones, who you may remember from Where the Wild Things Are and Her. Uh, yeah, her, and it's written much. by Charlie. No, no, it's written by Charlie Kaufman, who is a very unique filmmaker who has brought us Internal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Anomalisa, and a new movie on Netflix that comes out in about a week or two weeks. Malcolm, I'm thinking of ending things. I can't wait to watch that one. To Anomalisa, two weeks in a row. Yeah, exactly. Charlie Kaufman. Mm. He's a, a very interesting filmmaker and writer because he creates very weird concepts i don't know if you guys have seen adaptation with nicholas cage but that one is fucking wild isn't Pretty that just cool. a poster of him as like a plant no uh but this is. one was nominated for, yeah it is this one is, is nominated for three oscars <laughs> kathy keener in the best supporting uh actress role best director feature debut gets nominated for best director and also best screenplay from charlie kuffman this one i i knew that it was going to be very bizarre very weird uh, so I was kind of curious to hear you guys' thoughts on the film. I'm going to go quickly to John because this one is very, it's, it's universal, kind of mainstream. It got a wide release. So mainstream boy over there, what is this type of movie doing with the mainstream audience? Is it Does it, so, it kind of, you know? Thanks for asking, Spencer. I'm glad that we can kind of appeal to everybody with this podcast. Uh, yeah, it definitely hits those mainstream vibes. It doesn't go ultra serious with a concept like this that totally could have. I think it could have been like an insanely weird psychological thriller that's super fucking out there that like the mainstream audience just wouldn't grasp. Uh, but I think it kind of goes both ways where it goes for more of a comedic element a little bit. Uh, there are a lot of times where this movie was just really funny, weird, and kind of just fucking completely insane at times. Uh, just the extent that people would go to be John Malkovich. Okay. Interesting. Interesting first thoughts. Okay. Uh, moving on to Nate over there. What did you think of this little uh, being John Malkovich? Malkovich, 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 did you fucking plan this? Malkovich. Holy shit. I didn't think Malkovich. you were going to say that. I was hoping that you weren't going to go that route. That's that's a little mean, I'd say. Yeah. Malkovich? It's a little aggressive. Uh, Malko- Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. Don't say that. Malkovich. Don't say that. That's, Malk- that's horrible. Malkovich. Okay. Malkovich, Malkovich. All right, fine. Good point. Good point. Malkovich. Yep. Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. Oh, wow. Malkovich. That's a, that's a big grade. Oh, <laughs> Malkovich. Ah, uh, Malkovich. Well, real quick, if Nate didn't live in the John Malkovich world that apparently exists in the actor's head, what did you think of John Malkovich being John Malkovich? Farrell, 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 Will Farrell, Farrell, 
Farrell, Farrell. <laughs> was it stranger than fiction is, all of a sudden? Yeah, this is that too. Uh, that's the mind that I would fly into if I found a portal at my job where I had to bend over when I walked in the halls. Um, yeah, this movie I thought was awesome. I just had so much fun. It was so bizarre, but in just the most down-to-earth way. John Cusack was just the creepiest person, the way he would do his puppet shows on the side of the road, and just how he would make just puppets dry hump each other. Yeah. <laughs> he, Slowly and He gets punched in the face. The Cameron Diaz is extremely kind of attractive, not, not job of a wife. Um, it's just like, oh, not again. Like, how many times does he do this? <laughs> Goes and gets his, like, sexual frustrations out <laughs> random... <laughs> Like <laughs> I did, crossing points I in the city. I literally did laugh out loud in that scene when he's like making like them like the puppets kind of hump on the walls as they're talking. The guy just looks down. And he's like, "Hey!" and it punches him square in the face. Cuts to the next scene. <laughs> this movie was so well done, and I thought the actors were perfect. Like Catherine Keener, holy crapola! I was just impressed by everybody in this movie even uh the king himself uh john malkovich was yeah he was okay quite good quite good he okay, yeah he, he was he was okay he was so good that he got his name in the fucking movie well the thing is he has they they passed he has that he passed on the role so many times they apparently they charlie kuffman wrote the movie for john malkovich being john malkovich i mean it was all authentic and john malkovich, malkovich? passed he's like you know what? i like your script a lot i think it's great but I don't feel right to star in this movie. I think you should honestly go to Tom Cruise. Be, being, like, uh, yeah, I think it was being yeah, Tom being Cruise. Cruise or something. Being Tom Cruise. Cruise? Uh, uh, and Cruise? so, and Charlie Kaufman being Cruise? the way he is, he's like, no, I wrote the movie. Being John Malkovich, that is the movie. We're going to make it with you attached or we're not going to make it at all. And it took him five years to finally say yes to making wow. this movie. So I think that is <laughs> fucking dedication. And they hired an unknown director who's only made music videos in the past spike jones to come in and make this movie for universal and to me i think he knocked this movie out of the the park because it's got some directing style that you've never really seen from any other filmmaker before with the uniqueness of the way they're shooting the movie with the whole the seven and a half floor like what kind of concept uh, is that a little bit and like that was so cool. It was, also, it was just wacky. Yeah, and it was, it was honestly, it made me laugh so hard every time the secretary like doesn't understand a word they're saying. So you have the older guy <laughs> thinks that he literally has a speech impediment, but he's speaking completely fine in English. Yeah, and John yeah. Cusack is like, no, I can understand you perfectly fine. He's like, what? Oh, you're so kind to lie, but please, no. Like, yeah, I'm an idiot. So like, I, I don't know what I'm saying. Just because the secretary is like, what's that? What? <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> oh my gosh, she was so cool so this, dude. It was like, what the So fuck? random, and it has yeah. no place in the movie, really. Like, it has no relevance to the story, but just such a funny gag that they kept bringing back. But yeah, <laughs> the, the movie was very inventive. Definitely something you've never seen before. I like how it, it, it took that... It was It was really funny at times, and also very creative when, you know, you really get down to the nitty-gritty of, like, why this is happening sort of like how this is a thing they do give you mm -hmm. an explanation for that and i and i think it was it was well done but just seeing how fucking obsessed john cusack got and cameron diaz surprisingly really good in this movie like she was awesome really like i her loved character. her like one of the best characters lottie yeah lottie was just great and the monkey and shit like what the fuck was going on in their apartment I don't know. It dude. was something very like you've never really seen this type of performance from Cameron Diaz because like she can still kind of do her like normal thing that you're kind of used to seeing, but she has this other layer that you've never really seen from her before. And I like that the Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman's dialogue were the uh, two things that really can you know kind of light that fire under Cameron Diaz because I think she's a very talented actress, but you're just this used to seeing her in sure. these like romantic comedy type uh, mm -hmm. type stuff. But I mean, she was capable of giving like this normal performance where she's like damn like she's a wacky weird character but yet you still root for her and feel for her too it's almost like this mm -hmm. was the movie Always. that was like what got her out of the uh the romantic romantic comedy route like uh how to lose a guy in 10 days and stuff but then she kind of just resorts back to it again after this movie well they tried with her with uh, gains <laughs> of new york like casting her in a martin scorsese yes. film and to me, like she's like the sore thumb of the movie. Like it just oh. she stands out too much from the other performers in the story because she just is like, oh, I think she's Cameron just a Diaz, little too mainstream. You know? you know what I mean? Like just I the actress herself, you can't. Not but I think see she's very talented. I think she's still a very talented actress. Um, and she's she retired. She hasn't acted in a movie in over six years. It's crazy. Wow. 
Uh, remember Sex Tape? That was her last it, film. That is Sex Tape. So I saw that impressive. in theaters. That movie was yeah. dog shit. It was bad. And honestly, Spike Jones, the director himself, this was his first film, and I thought he did a great job. And he's done, you know, where the wild things are and her, but he's mainly done like music videos or like commercials. He hasn't really done many like feature films, and I wish that he did because I mean he won the Oscar for her. Nate, I don't know if you've seen her. I have seen okay. her. Fucking amazing. great film, a great film, very unique, near and perfect, and inventive. <laughs> and uh, I would love to see more Spike Jones stuff because yeah, with being John Malkovich as his feature film and the stuff that he was able to do with Charlie Kaufman's script, I think it was just really unique, very cool, and something that you really haven't seen before. It's it was very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a very psychological movie at the same time, and he was able to have a vision and bring this to the screen. I don't think anybody could have, just anybody could have done that the way he did, you know? I, mm-hmm. I loved how they just had this portal that just led to John Malkovich, and for whatever reason, there it was. I just, and then they just get thrown out on the highway all of a sudden. There's John Cusack <laughs> waiting, twiddling his thumbs. Oh, there they are, and yeah, it was just... And I don't know, man. It was just so inventive when when John Cusack was John Malkovich and was just living his life as a puppeteer. It was like just so strange, but the ultimate puppeteer. Yeah. Yeah, just and, and then obviously like they have all these like short documentaries on like sixty minutes or whatever, and they're like, It's fascinating to see John Malkovich just this change of pace, quitting acting and now he's the world famous puppeteer, and then there's this other actor right. who's like, Yeah, I'm gonna follow in his footsteps. <laughs> it's like so strange, but <laughs> Very cool. So uh, for me, I'm going to give my final thoughts. It was like an upbeat version of Get Out to me because it's just like you're stuck inside this person's head. You can you can crawl inside this person's head, um, but more of like a comedic psychological thriller sort of. But it was just really interesting. I don't I don't think it's everything I wanted it to be. I might have wanted a little bit more from it. Uh, but it's it's still was very a very fun movie with cool performances. It was wacky. It was out there, and I was definitely thoroughly entertained. So I give this a, a three and a half out of five. Oh wow! Damn. Okay. Right. Okay. Well, uh, this is one that is also on the Criterion Collection, and after watching this, I will probably be purchasing this sometime in the near future. I thought this movie was fantastic. I thought it was well paced and it just caught me at a time in the day where I was just like, you know what? I needed this. I just needed to kind of let my mind go and just observe something that has really never been done this way before. And just the techniques that he pulled off and how they went into the portal and how they got to be Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. It was just super intense at points, super heartwarming at points, but then it got really sad and it was just kind of, oh man. And when you see how everything eventually plays out, you kind of feel bad. I felt bad for Mr. Malkovich. He was just some poor soul that just got caught in his own movie, but thought it was fantastic. I'm giving it a four and a half out of five, almost there. Maybe on a rewatch, I might find something that might either bump it up a little bit or make it a little more modest grade, but um, sitting kind of on that edge. But it just caught me at the right time. And Malkovich, 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 <laughs> Malkovich. Totally. Malkovich. Oh, shit. Malkovich. 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 Mal- Malkovich. Yeah. Um, Malkovich. I am Mal- right in between you guys. Malkovich. I would go four out of five. I think this one it was just so much fun. It was unique. It was interesting. I love the scene when... Uh, like at the very opening when John Cusack is doing the puppeteer scene, like with uh, his actual puppets, and then it cuts later in the movie as John Malkovich doing the exact same like freakout dance in the room, mm-hmm. but like it's because he's finally become John Malkovich, which is just it was so darkly funny, and I, it was just something that I really appreciated. So I went four out of five. This one was, uh, Ooh, this one was, okay, I liked okay. it. I liked it a lot, and okay. uh, liked it. Knowing that it is on the Criterion Collection, that's uh, pretty exciting. I think all solid films this week, you guys. It doesn't always. Happen. I would say so. Very so. interesting. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was mine, very yeah. pleasantly plump and pleasantly pleased of the pics of this perfect <laughs> pictured program. You need a pop filter for that. That's a lot of peas. <laughs> yeah, we're shit. gonna have to edit all that out, motherfucker. Point pleasant to please. Why? <laughs> Point Pleasant Police Department. <laughs> All right. You watched that '70s show? That's, of course. That's, uh, that's from Jimmy Fallon. Uh, but thanks. Oh, All right. That, so was, John, that was fun. John, you uh, you got some picks that you're gonna put in the poll? Shit. 
Yeah, I do. And Nathan and Spencer picked John's movies <laughs> so again. So here we go. I'm pretty sure both of you guys have seen potentially both of these movies, but it's probably been a long... It, it hasn't been a long time. One of them is a very critically acclaimed film that both of you love that I really want to watch, and Nate's going to be happy when I Social say Network. It. Okay? And the other one is one you guys probably haven't seen since you were children. Okay? <sighs> I'm worried, okay. but fine. Cool. So, number one is Miracle on Disney Plus with Kurt Russell. And Honestly, I haven't, never seen seen it. It. I haven't seen that movie never in seen years. It. So, absolutely. And number two, okay. never with seen the theme it. of sports, yep. is Hoosiers, which I know is one of Nate's favorite movies. So, I would, I would I want to see it, it for the first time. Thank you. Oh my I'll be god, watching. John, you just made my week. I, you, I needed I needed to watch Hoosiers. All right, two sometimes. sports movies that I honestly would love to rewatch. So uh um, yeah. and I've never horizon. seen Miracle and I know I'll probably cry because when I watch the actual clip of the nineteen eighties US hockey team, I get chills. I'm so excited. But I would that, definitely so. watch Gene Hackman and Barbara Hersey just Take old Indiana to the state championship. All about it, man. All about that shit. Uh, but yeah, Spencer, what about you, my friend? Okay, so I have two movies that are so random. Um, I just, I don't know what these movies really are. I've heard of them for uh, many years. Um, one of them looks like a total, like, goof ride. It's directed by Tim Burton with uh, Jack Nicholson, Glenn Close, Annette Benning. Pierce Bronson, Danny DeVito, Martin Short. Uh, got a good cast. It's what? called Mars Attacks, 1996. I don't know anything about it. It looks really silly and goofy, but it's got a cool cast, and it's from Tim Burton, and I've never seen it. So that I've is one that. that I'm going to uh, put up against a movie that I've heard kind of launched Elizabeth Olsen's career. It's called uh, Martha Marcy May Marlene. came out in 2011. Uh, it's something. It's another movie that I don't really know much about. Um, but uh, it seems really interesting, and uh, it kind of launched her career. So, what that the is, uh, fuck the... is Mars Attacks, dude? <laughs> what is this? I'm excited. I've seen that poster. It's like, yeah. like a thumbnail a little bit. But it's got Jack Nicholson, Glenn Close. I mean, like you know, it, it's that's gonna be cast. wild. I we'll who see. knows? I'm excited. Okay, this is this is gonna be a fun week, yeah. and I'm really excited with the movies that we've picked. Yep. Um, and I'm excited to check them out. So awesome, cool. If um, but there is yeah, three. We got this. So also, make have... sure that you follow us on. Whoa! What? what about Nate? Didn't doesn't mm-hmm. Nate have picks as well? What? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry guys. Oh, I I can't. I can't. Uh, 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 king size whopper. Oh. oh. You going to Burger King? Uh, uh, I can't. I Should I can't we... see. Uh, uh, c- caramel dipping Should sauce. Should we go to break? We don't have. I don't know. Um, okay, I do have <laughs> movies. I'm sorry. Just our own commercial. I picked two movies. Shut your mouth. Sorry. I just want to get sponsored by Chili's. If you're listening, Chili's. You're done. Nate, what, what, what films have we watched for you this week? <laughs> John. I will quit out abruptly. Why? Don't make me do this again. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they movies will um, see, but you know. Uh, they probably won't be, but if you read the uh, plots to them, you might see some themes that you might enjoy, right. um, right. though I they will. are both foreign. But they are both by probably two of the most acclaimed world cinema directors of all time, and I'm using this week to finally open up <gasps> the Bergman Cinema box. They both, oh so both shit! Then? Oh god! Nope. One of them is Bergman. I'm nervous. No, he he owns it, so he's gonna have to watch the disc. Yeah. It is Ingmar Bergman's Wild Strawberries. It's about an old man kind of reaching the end of his life and trying to do some of the things he was never able to fulfill. Um, 1957. I've heard so many great things about it, and it's Bergman, so why not? And my second one is by, I don't, I would say it's he's in the same tier of like the greatest world directors of all time, uh, Federico Fellini. We've watched Armacord. I knew we have you were watched. Say Fellini. I fucking um, knew it. I, really <laughs> I knew. <laughs> I've seen Eight and a Half. We've done some other. Uh, Fellini movies, but this one is called La Strada. I can't type that. Uh, yes! 1954. Yes! Um, Holy shit! Yeah, it's a, it's about a woman who gets picked by this uh, traveling strong man and asked to be his like right, second hand main attraction. 
Absolutely. But yeah, I'm really excited because since watching In Search of Fellini, I've been wanting to watch all those movies. And like I've seen eight and a half. I've seen Armacord. If I watch this movie and I will uh, I will give you guys my word. If I watch this movie and I give it above a four. I will buy the Fellini collection on Criterion. Oh, God. Shit. That, that's some that's a bold statement. If you that's give it crazy, below dude. a two, I will buy the Avengers collection. But that. Oh, get if out you of here, hate dude. the movie, Fuck I will off. buy the co- the Avengers collection. I will definitely not hate the movie because <laughs> I don't even want Fellini's definitely on the softer side. All right, so yeah, I'm excited. Very cool. cool. Okay, I have no uh, idea which one to vote for. Both on HBO Max. So it's Wild Thornberry's so, uh, movie and no, Strudel. No, no, no. Wild Thornberry's and El Brada. All right, basically, cool. if you guys are listening right now and it's a you know it's a weekend, it's a Saturday or Sunday, go into our Instagram at those movie dudes and vote in our stories. That is where you can help decide what movies we're going to be watching. I think it's going to be a very interesting poll, and people are are voting for these movies. I think we had like either like twenty five to thirty votes every week. It's honestly wow. awesome that people are voting for these movies. Uh, so thank you, and just yeah, help decide what movies you want to hear us talk about, um, because that is how the show works. That's we're not. It's chill. You yeah, don't you have to absolutely don't have to. do your own thing. Yeah, yeah. and we are not part of this. Unfollow us, like, honestly. Media. Leave us yeah. a scathing review yeah, on you know iTunes. What? Tell don't us that we're tell terrible. Them that. Don't fucking make tell up them rumors that. about us. Like, yeah, I don't care. Get us canceled. Uh, that's perfectly fine, which Perfect. means that they're listening. Guys, I would that's really all that appreciate I'm... if you went over to, you know, the same podcast feed. Stitcher. Check out Mainstream Boy. We're about to put out our sixth episode. Uh, I've already watched two of the movies, Spencer. Chemical Hearts, Tesla, yeah. and the one and only Ivan. I've seen two of those already. Thank you once again for listening to Those Movie Dudes Podcast, episode 27. Looking forward to doing it again next week. And Mainstream Boy on Monday. Toodaloo. Yeah, listen to us. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and Stitcher for Androids. Uh, wherever you get podcasts, at those movie dudes, that's where we are. And vote in our stories right now. See what movies we're going to be talking about for next week. Help us decide and watch them with us because they're on streaming sites. And let us know what you think of these films. And uh, that's all from me. And toodles. Hello, everybody. You guys want to have a chit chat with Nate? Let me give you some criterion recommendations. Alright, well, what am I looking at? If you guys like the Beatles, you guys like the Beatles? You gotta watch a Hard Day's Night? We starting it ourselves? This is me, John Lennon. Uh, yeah, I think you guys should watch a Hard Day's Night. I would like to thank uh, Mark David Chapman for uh, making me more famous than I already was. Um... And yeah, Paul McCartney, rock on, a carpool karaoke, and uh, just put my artwork on the refrigerator, I guess. I don't know if that's true. Um, but yeah, watch Solo, watch it. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Those Movie Dudes podcast. Make sure to go over to our Instagram at Those Movie Dudes and help us choose next week's films by voting in our story. Next week's episode will be available on Friday, August 28th. Make sure to stay safe, everybody, and wash your fucking hands.